0: which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to fake the fakethenation and use the code Fakethe Nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fakethenation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Fake the Nation, episode
1: 190.
0: Hello, hello fake the nation where we talk about news we talk about politics and where i admit that whenever i see a trending topic on twitter that i don't understand it's about k-pop and i'm your host and i want to understand k-pop so listeners if you have some insight about what i need to do who i need to listen to just please help me understand i want to know the trending topics you know you know who to listen to I don't, but like K-pop bands, I really am like lost on K-pop bands, and I'm embarrassed. Do you are you what are you like a fucking K-pop aficionado over here? No. Okay. Um, today we're gonna talk about the Democratic primary candidates um, who would form a really weird pop band. Although I kind of, like, that's kind of that would be that's a little bit of a dream of mine. We'll also talk about the Harvey Weinstein verdict and finally the census. Let's ma- the census. Let's make it sexy again. Um, I'm joined by such an amazing panel today, you guys. Very exciting. So for the very first time to the show, um, oh! This gentleman comes so highly recommended. I just finished uh, listening to one of the episodes of Swamp Stories. That's his podcast. And it was riveting and fantastic. It was about dark money, um, which is a subject both uh, Republicans and Democrats alike want to obliterate. Um, So, like I said, he's the host of Swamp Stories. He's a senior political strategist at issue one. You guys, it's Weston Womp. Hey, Weston.
2: Thanks for having me. I feel not nearly funny enough and underqualified.
0: (laughs) <laughs> we you're you're maybe our first senior political strategist <laughs> at a place. So you, uh, right. You're doing real well.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah, you've had like uh, assistant strategists, I've I've had deputy strategist, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: you know, in, in reality, <laughs> I fought a long battle that was not even my own over the senior part of that title. There were some extremely well-respected women in the reform community who saw me coming along. Now, my political life began as a kid— so I can right, claim you're, senior you're, status. Your
0: dad was in politics. My dad politics. served in
2: Congress. I, I almost got, I was, I came a percentage point away from beating an incumbent congressman in my 20s. So in Tennessee, <laughs> that's kind of what I'm known for. Like I almost did something you really cool. You were like cool.
0: Pete Buttigieg before Pete Buttigieg. I was,
2: I was really like almost the Republican version of AOC. Oh,
0: there, oh, that's. Because we literally what did it the same right, thing. Right, 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 wow.
1: right.
2: And I was like, I there was just a conversation in the office about senior, st- uh, and I was like, no, 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 I, I can't. I don't care. Don't give me that. I don't want that. And because they, they, like, there were different people who cared. And I was like, oh man, like, I want no part of that. The <laughs> best way to get that title is to say you don't care. You know what? It's, it's, yeah. it's,
0: uh, what is it, reverse psychology? Yeah. Um, also,
1: a true leader doesn't understand their power. Oh, right. <laughs>
0: Um, the voice that you're hearing talking about power, um, is, uh, oh my gosh, you guys, you know, she's one of my good friends. She's so funny. She fucking kills in almost a, I, I want to just say every fucking situation. Yeah, that's me. Every uh, time. Every time. <laughs> <And> every situation. <laughs> out of um, the park. I hit it. Out of the park. She's a comedian <laughs> and host of the uh, NPR show, Ask Me Another. True. Uh, and she's a writer and she just is, does so many fucking things. She's a moth storyteller. She does so many things, you guys. It's Sophia Eisenberg. Hi. Oh, my god. Great gosh. to see
1: you. It's been a while. Again, basement to above ground. Last time I saw you, we were in a basement. Oh, I guess we were on ground. Every <laughs> comedy club, I, I just assume we're entering a basement because it's that dark. It has that
0: feeling <laughs> of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's limited oxygen either way when That's you enter true. a comedy club. Um All right. Let us get into topic number one. Um Okay, so... Biden won big on Tuesday, taking mm. Alabama, Arkansas, Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Texas, Tennessee, and Virginia. Bernie won, it looks like, California, Colorado, Utah, and Vermont. Bloomberg won American Samoa, and then he dropped out of the race and endorsed Biden. Elizabeth Warren ended up with about 40 delegates and is, uh, as of this taping, I guess she's still hanging in there. She had a reassessment day yesterday. I don't know what that means. Spa. Um. <laughs> <laughs> she had a spa day, and she deserves it. She fucking deserves I, yes. it. Um, so okay, so just uh, out the gate, what do you think of
1: the results? Well, I, I guess, disheartening seems to be a word that you <laughs> people are using a lot. <laughs> Actually, I think every article I read used the word disheartening. Even quotes from people yeah. chiming in, yeah. they were disheartened. Disheartened. Uh, many of the pundits said the word disheartened. Yeah. I feel like that. Really? Yeah, disheartened.
2: (laughs) Disheartened (laughs) about what? About the results. About Biden making this comeback. I feel like it's actually a, a relatable story to people almost anywhere in the political spectrum. Okay,
0: so you saw a sort of like, um, you know, a hometown boy makes good or Joe whatever. Joe Biden has been
2: terrible at this. His whole <laughs> life. He he's terrible at running for president. Yeah. Like a lot of people don't realize that this is his third time running for president. Yeah. And South Carolina was the first time he ever won a state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Never done it. And then all of a sudden on Super Tuesday, blows it out. At a time where...
0: Yeah, it's just, it's surprising. He reminds
2: a lot of us of our grandpa who, my, I, you know, I, I don't accuse Joe Biden of, you know, really having lost an edge mentally, but you, you change, like your personality. He's, he's not like spry Joe Biden and he right. just dominated like all across the board. And I think there's something and we can why, all see why in ourselves do in that you process. you think that
0: happened?
2: <clears throat> well, I don't think it's all that surprising. I think what's different is to learn a lesson... About how we, the, the, like the way the media covers these things, we obsess over what's right in front of us and everything's about Iowa and everything's about New Hampshire. And these are pressure cookers that aren't representative of the whole country. Yeah. Very small minority populations. And we stare at them for so long that we convince ourselves Joe Biden's no good. When in fact Joe Biden had a, he had a 30 point lead in South Carolina for two years. From before he even knew he was, you know, had it, it decided he was going to run right. until primary day. So
1: the disheartened thing, I think, comes from from my point of view and many other people that I know, especially in the little bubble I live in, New York City, is that it all became about Biden and then Bernie, Bernie, and w- the women just, you know, I mean,
0: I again because we all know that I'm a Warren Warren person, yes, and uh, and I, I mean, I have to say. I was personally attacked for, like, four days leading up to Super Tuesday— because I po- I would just post something like, "Oh, I'm phone banking for Warren. I feel really good about it." And then it would just be like, "You're handing the nomination to the corporatist Biden campaign. you know? And I was like, "What? First of all, ninety six percent of the country has yet to vote. Why are you telling, I mean, why have we already decided what's happening here? Yeah. Why have we already decided what's happening here? And I think what happens is, beyond the the pressure cooker of New Hampshire and Iowa that creates completely unrepresentative narratives of the election. We just decided it was a Bernie Biden and we decided Bloomberg was super viable and we made these decisions. And then when there was a when there was a real candidate in the midst, she didn't get any airtime. Right. And that's What happened? To me, that's what happened. It's not that people were not interested. And I'll tell you what happened when I was phone banking. This was really interesting. The idea that all of Warren's supporters are Bernie supporters is not true just for my completely non-scientific um research when i was phone banking i would be like who are your top choices how are you doing who are you gonna vote for yeah and they would be and some of them would just be like elizabeth all the way whatever and i'd be like great we don't need to continue this conversation but <laughs> the people who were like biden um they would say oh, biden bloomberg i guess they were not excited, by the way, about Biden and Bloomberg, they were just thinking who's going to win. And I would say, what are your thoughts on Elizabeth Warren? they were like, honestly, I think she's fantastic. So the thing is this. I think Elizabeth Warren was the second choice to obscene numbers of moderates, but they were worried that she was a woman who couldn't beat Trump. I totally agree. And I, I think that's what happened. So the idea that Elizabeth Warren was siphoning off votes from Bernie, I just don't think that that holds water. I think it's just like in our heads because she is a progressive, but she also is said so many times I'm a cheerful capitalist I'm a cheerful capitalist so she's really she really set herself aside from from Bernie in that way in a way that Bernie never has said anything like that to assuage people who who worry about the socialist tendencies of a Bernie
1: no they just he, right he's just anti-establishment which I love yeah <laughs> I'm not is, gonna lie
0: and fantastic in many ways i mean i'm, I'm d-
1: yes but the strategic thing right that's all about the strategic i mean i'm the way i just always think about it's like oh yeah we're not looking for a relationship we're looking for a rebound relationship like we're just mm-hmm. looking for the next person that can make us forget about the ex-boyfriend that we hate mm-hmm. <laughs> that's all we're looking for rebound person yeah that's just it and so everyone is looking they're not picking their best choice they're like who, yeah, who's good enough? You've got to be excited. That's I, I why was in D.C. To... yesterday, so wait, uh-huh. and the good
2: betting money, yeah, is and these are from like I was talking to a woman who, for forty years, has been a staple on Capitol Hill. Mm. And she thinks the good betting money is that Elizabeth Warren is Biden's vice presidential pick. Sure, And right. so, like, how do you he feel— He should
0: really do that. I would feel 12,000 times better if he picked a really solid person like Elizabeth Warren.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, because like, he is— It's the talk. He is
0: at an age where his running mate really matters, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, his running mate really matters. And also, you know, I just— like I said, I'm going to gleefully, I'm going to phone bank. I'm going <laughs> to knock on fucking doors if it's Biden. And, and look, and like, do I prefer Bernie? Like, absolutely. You know, Um, but I, so if, but Bernie, this is still a very, again, I don't want to get into this narrative that Biden is one. He is not one. No. Nope. This is still a very um live race and Bernie has a really good chance. You know they're very. Uh, they both have. You know, he has substantial number of delegates.
2: But the states coming are states where Uh-oh. Hillary beat. <laughs> where Hillary Wes beat is Bernie. Trying to
0: fucking. And I think if Hillary <laughs> like, beat
2: Bernie, yeah, Biden with this uh, again. Who has ever ever in comedy, in sports, mm-hmm. in life, who has ever caught a wave and rebounded like? Joe Biden, in the last seven days. Yeah. I can't think of anybody. And I don't think it who stops is that guy because he, in, in everybody basketball? has lent so much, so much joy and energy. Like all the people who a month ago, 10 months ago, derided the guy for no energy, they're now all piling on. I know. And so what Pete had that Biden doesn't have, Biden now has because Pete's out there on the stump for him.
0: Remember, who was that basketball player that was, I think, wasn't it like something Lin, Lin Mania? Uh... The Lin- uh, what? I don't know. Lynn mania. wait. <laughs> Do you guys remember that basketball? F- Jeremy Lynn. <laughs> Jeremy Lynn, You're right. Oh yeah. Who was Biden a- is basically doing Lynn <laughs> mania right now. I feel I- like that's what's happening. Look, guys. Can I just pat myself on the back for like doing a amazing. basketball reference? And amazing. I know nothing about the sport. Yeah. Um. But I. But I. I want to say no. You're absolutely right that this is an incredible bounce back. I also think. Bernie is not someone who to take anything lying down, right? So I, you know, I don't think um, he's just this, and and his fans are deaf. First of all, the minority of his fans that want to punch me in the face at all times on the internet, woo, <laughs> they're tough. I embrace them, uh, you know, as as people, but they are so mean. They are sometimes. humans, right? <laughs>
2: they're humans. Do we have time for a thirty second Bernie Sanders story?
1: Yes. yes. I mean I am saying yes to the excited. Well, this is know. only because
2: the co- the context yeah. is my dad served in Congress for 16 years. Bernie served in the House before the Senate. Yeah, Z- so, Zach Wamp. Zach right? Womp is his name, and uh, what a name, right? I mean, all these guys. Like, you all, you and names. your dad have
0: ridiculous and. amazing
2: and, names. and and my dad was this gleeful Southern Republican who had friends with friends with everybody. Sheila Jackson Lee was his buddy, and he hugged and he was. He knew everybody. Kind of politics aside, friends with everybody, and he'd always try to crack the Bernie code, and he said. Of all the people he ever served with, hardest guy to ever have a conversation with. So I'm talking to a friend of mine yesterday who's in the reform community. He named his daughter after a a very famous Vermont uh, political activist, okay? And he sees Bernie at an event a couple years ago. And Bernie is sitting on a bench, no phone, no distraction, no magazine, just sitting on a bench by himself in an event. And so my friend goes up to him and says, hey, Bernie – Uh, I just wanted you to know, uh, my daughter is named after this woman who is a really famous Vermont activist. And by the way, she passed away just a couple weeks ago. I thought you'd like to know that. And he said, Bernie looked up and goes, yeah, she was a real pain in the ass. That was their whole conversation. (laughs) Can you like, imagine that interaction? But
0: it's not surprising. Is I know,
2: surprising? but like it, it's on brand.
0: It's on oh, brand. Exactly. So
2: curmudgeonly, it's consistent. It's,
0: oh, it's, I mean the uh, just um, <sighs> he just indulges in curmudgeonness. In a in a most beautiful way, right? Like, sort of the, the
1: curmudgeon. It's like the aged hippie, right? Like right. you do want this sort of side by side. I've been dreaming of this side by side sort of uh, ad for. I guess it would be pro Bernie, where you see Biden step out of you know a luxury Bentley limo or what have you and Bernie roll out of a uh you know R V or a, a VW <laughs> bus or something. Yeah. Because it's it I feel like they are it's these like dual-toned these ultimate yeah. um opposites. Like and the way they are framed are, are ultimate opposites in every single yeah. way. Yeah. The way they put them on stage during the debates even, I feel like is specific. Yeah.
0: I, I also wanna look um so- so, Wesson, you think it's a you just think it's over? Mm.
2: Yeah, I, <laughs> because, because I do.
0: No, listeners, it's not over. In we're fact, not, I mean, and we're this not, is
1: like go, me auditioning okay. for a role that they're like, it is just going to Jennifer Hudson,
2: and I was like, but
1: wait till they see me. <laughs> yeah. Well, momentum, momentum begets
2: momentum, and momentum begets money in politics, and I'm a money in politics guy. It plays way too big. Mm, too big. Yep.
0: Wait. So, are you you're against Citizens United?
2: Well, Citizens United is a, w- one of the kind of fundamental disasters of our political landscape. It, <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, so I'm going
0: to say yes. I, was, I uh, would be against. Listening, yeah. listening but to it's, your It's so episode. much more complicated, yeah. really. Can you tell him real quick, Listening, I listened to your uh, one of your Dark Money episodes yesterday, and can you tell him real quick the, the 180 of Mitch McConnell, which I think a lot of people don't. Realize that it's so fascinating.
2: It is shocking that, and we go through this in the sixth episode of, of this uh, uh, Money and Politics podcast that, that I've done. I went back and found these clips of Mitch McConnell. Yeah. I'd heard it. I'd always heard rumors that early in his career, Mitch McConnell was actually supportive of campaign finance reform to the extent that he supports things that you basically won't. He supported things in 1987, my birth year, by the way, that You will not even really find Democrats supporting like the most liberal reformers don't even support things as dramatic as McConnell did completely getting rid of PACs, all types of PACs, forget Mm -hmm. super PACs, all types of PACs in the dark money world. A lot of people don't realize almost all dark money. It comes in the form of an abuse of the IRS code, the 501 section, right? We're all familiar with 501c3s. If you pay attention to politics, you're familiar with 501c4s. Well, IRS code says pretty simply that you can be a nonprofit 51 501 501c4, but you cannot let your primary activity be politics. Well, that – like nothing is bastardized in politics like that line of IRS code because they pop up all over the place. Well, the key mm. difference in any campaign account and, uh, you know, what happens in uh, a 501c4 is that you have to disclose money. All money is transparent in a real campaign account. We've agreed on that concept yeah, yeah, for 100 yes, years. yeah but if it's a 501c4 that's where dark money happens cuz nonprofits don't have to disclose their donors well back in the day <laughs> Mitch McConnell wore Democrats out because he thought back then Democrats benefited from these 501c4s yep. and he would rant about how uh you know it should all be fixed
0: and there should be a constitutional amendment didn't he say
2: he went as far as to say there should be a constitutional amendment to prevent uh, really, all of the outside money that we see coming in, independent expenditures, yep. for example, which are protected it's by the Constitution, and, and
0: and and you played tape of this um, on your podcast, and then here we are in 2020, and the man is mm. so unbelievable. I don't know how long it's been, maybe ten years. He's been so pro Citizens United and pro dark money. It's. Outrageous yeah. the turn that he made. Yeah. I mean, it is like a flip flop of the ages. In well, a
2: sentence, and this is not a real funny sentence, so make it funnier, but the saddest part of <laughs> Citizens United is is this the jurisprudence of Citizens United is in no way, no way honored today. And what I mean by that is that like Antonin Scalia, the late justice, who actually gave the majority opinion. He was he was explaining why people should be able to put unlimited money in politics. Okay, fine. That's his opinion. But he also and that was the majority opinion. But he also made very clear that money like that, voters deserve to know where it was coming from. It was part of the Citizens United opinion that there should be disclosure. Ironically, because Washington really on, on both sides of the aisle, there's been some resistance to fixing the laws to. I mean, Citizens United on its face is bad enough, but right. my point here is Citizens United, if uh, if it was enacted in the spirit of the Supreme Court, would not be nearly as, as horrendous bad as, it is as what we have yeah. now.
0: Uh, yeah, thank Super you for funny. Exp- su- Super I know. Funny. Hilarious. Yeah. Um, no. And I think again, and it, and it's interesting if were you shocked at Bloomberg's <laughs> millions, Um, which is a campaign finance issue um, because it, we know where the money came from. But yeah. like, it, if you know. And when he was in New York City, by the way, he did not partake in New York City's campaign finance program, which is fantastic. Um, a bell, you know, a, a model for the nation. We should have it in the nation. But he did not participate because it's not mandatory. So he was able to just like wall up these other Do candidates. Whatever.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, were you surprised that his millions didn't let him make him win? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I mean, no, well, I mean, I feel like, again, in my little New York bubble, as soon as that guy entered, everyone I know was just like, are you (laughs) like this is the joke of the joke uh but also you know the guy right actually that's the one good thing i could say right now yeah is that the billions and billions and just throwing it all over the place and making ridiculous um you know just ongoing media things all it hits is uh well as it turns out all it hits is western samoa
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) That's all. It is. <laughs> it, now you well, know. Now though, you know isn't? how to win American Samoa. You know. American... Now you know as uh, how, to, how to get. Is it island. fair to
2: say that that's hard? Like, if there were aspects of Super Tuesday that your friends thought were disheartening, I think it's somewhat heartening to see that. I think the American public pays more attention to. What's going on? Who's trying to buy what in American politics than they have? Like we were beginning to – you know, we talk a lot about digital natives. I
0: also think, though, if if he hadn't won – if Biden hadn't won South Carolina, Bloomberg would have had a better turnout on Super Tuesday.
2: You know, here's the best theory. The best theory of all is, you know – the B- The Bloomberg debate, the great Bloomberg debate that will go down in history, is, and, and what a terrible feeling to to know that people got exposed to you and then didn't like you. They liked the idea of Mike Bloomberg, <laughs> but then regular people, like in my home state of Tennessee, he like, came through what? my hometown in Chattanooga That's like- a few weeks ago, and but like, people like him, and then he spends hundreds of millions of dollars and does a debate and nobody likes him anymore. Uh, That's like
0: the Netflix show, Love is Blind. We were in like our separate pods with, you know, Bloomberg commercials. And then we meet him and we're like, oh, no, this This will not work. So the best
2: theory is that, and this is, I I had already forgotten this, but Nate Silver pointed out yesterday that if Marist had not released a poll right before that Nevada dumpster fire (laughs) debate, that Bloomberg did where he was just the weird uh, billionaire where, where dip, yeah.
0: Elizabeth like super eviscerated him.
2: Absolutely. But Maris, the day at the absolute buzzer came forward to the poll that qualified Bloomberg. So if Bloomberg, if people had not gotten to know Bloomberg and therefore not like Bloomberg, he may very well have gone on. The whole race could look differently if it weren't for Maris dropping this poll at the buzzer that qualified Bloomberg for the debate that unraveled his campaign.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's inter- you know, who knows. Um I want to say though you mentioned Nate Silver and I know we have to oh, stop talking Nate about this Silver, but like I still wanna- not
1: over it. <laughs> still not over it.
0: 2016? Still not over it. I have found myself like you know, seeing stuff by—and I'm, I'm not trying to throw him under the bus. He's very, he's great. But n- him and, and Nate Cohn and all anyone named Nate. Um, <laughs> all the Nates. And, and, even a couple Nats. And some Nats. <laughs> and Nathaniels. I'll just also throw them. And Perfect. I don't want to listen. I don't want to hear about polls. I've become extremely anti-poll in my tender years. And I— it's. I think it's a. It's a reaction to 2016. Yeah. And I hate people talking to me about pathways. This is not about pathways. This is about who do you think is going to be the best fucking president? That's what this is about. Let's vote our conscience. Still, I say that. And look, I don't know what Elizabeth Warren's going to do. You know what I mean? She may drop out. She may stay in the race. I don't know. But like to me, I. I I, this entire process was meant to disenfranchise me. And I get that because our vote in New York doesn't matter. Um, but it and and, and effectively has this. Disenf- and, and if we're talking about Biden as just he's the nominee now, we've disenfranchised a third of the how many two thirds of the population. Mm-hmm. And that makes us fucking dicks. And talking about <laughs> pathways, all that stuff, you are just disenfranchising people. And it it's it, it's it's voter suppression, and I don't like it.
1: I actually, you know, I think uh, I got. I think we got to get away with the no more pundits. Yeah, I, know, I mean, like comedians, <laughs> all yeah, the yeah. Strategists, comedians oh, are a senior strategist. Senior strategists. Senior first. strategists. Oh, get rid of them all. Senior <laughs> strategists, senior strategists are a real problem right now. <laughs> Uh, but I just feel like there is such a, you know, it's sort of like the Twitter of uh, of television. It's yeah. like people don't even listen; they're not even listening, not even listening. Let's just hear what my favorite pundit has to say. Yeah, no, it's and terrible. that's so it's like you're being guided by editorial. I mean,
0: yeah, and think pieces and this and I can't think I'm, pieces. It feels, that's got be It renamed. just feels like everyone's trying to make this decision for us rather than us us having a pure relationship. Um, Oh fuck!
1: What happened?
0: Elizabeth Warren dropped out. No! I just got the control room is t- is breaking my heart. Oh, I've been disenfranchised.
1: Disheartened.
0: Disheartened. Oh my god! Live. I'm actually like, well,
2: <laughs> um, you can have a moment. <laughs> Sorry, Ophira, You just want to take over for a minute?
0: Oh my god! No, I I know. Okay, you guys. <laughs> I can't believe this.
1: Should we have like a mindful minute?
0: I mean. Here, uh, she's gonna make some statement. All right, um.
1: I've uh, <laughs> listeners. I want to know that, I want you to know that, Nagina <laughs> actually has tears in her eyes. Like <laughs> actually, this, she's not joking around about this. I mean, yes. yes, yes, yes.
0: Okay, here's the one of the other things. Can I be honest with you guys? Yeah, of course. I'm so tired of men being
1: pressed. Oh my god!
0: <laughs> Can I say?
1: I'm so tired of and it we've too. It's the same
2: I'm thing sorry. over and over. Well, wh- and, wh-
0: not, and I didn't vote for her because she's a woman. I, mean, I didn't vote for her because yeah.
2: Was, but while it's raw, I got. I, mean, I, I want to ask y'all yet. a question, and this is a yeah. heartfelt, serious question. Yeah. Like I've yeah. grown up around politics. My yeah. my younger sister is a badass prosecutor, most capable person I know, uh, and will get elected to all types of office in her lifetime. Um, what do y'all think about the fact that we've got three men who plausibly could be the next president? Yeah. And they're seventy three, 73, 77, and seventy eight year old white dudes. I yeah can't well,
1: take it anymore.
2: <laughs> it's pretty. Much... I can't. I can't believe. It. I mean, I it's can't oh, take I can it believe anymore. it. I
1: can believe it. Are I, you uh, I, I,
2: I know, like, and maybe that's like my own like Southeast Tennessee naivete. But I'm looking at that field a year ago, thinking Kamala Harris oh. is one of the most qualified, oh. interesting candidates. Don't Elizabeth even talk Warren, about Kamala. I'm it, so
0: heartbroken. I started getting heartbroken then, but I was like, well, I still got my Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she is really the most qualified, the most competent, the most skillful. I mean, and I just have to um, share with you guys real quick uh, what happened on Monday night. I did an event in New York City. Um, with uh Brooklyn Democrat, North Brooklyn Democrats for Warren, and it was a drag and text event, and I was just a comedian sandwiched in the middle of all these drag queens. So there was like text banking and phone banking, and then they had us perform to get people riled up. And I saw these drag queens doing Elizabeth Warren speeches hmm. intercut with various songs, you know, Dolly Parton songs and whatever, and it was the most. Uh, like joyful, joyful, I bet. <laughs> Just the most uplifting, most joyful. And I and I remember thinking in that moment, whatever happens um, with this race, we're going to be okay because these drag queens are in the fight and they're in the fight in the most fucking phenomenal, fabulous, like just utterly joyful way. And we're all just going to be okay. And I just had that feeling. I really had that feeling Monday night. I was like, if Ward doesn't do okay tomorrow, it's okay. We've got drag queens for Ward. <laughs> and... I still feel that way because yeah. um the people that believed in her we and the people that had her as her number as their number 2 all around the country I spoke to so many of them in Tennessee and Maine on when I was phone banking um you know they they believe in skillful women competent women yeah. you know and uh anyways
1: they just don't think that a skillful competent woman can win against Trump I do think that is what's going on in yeah. everyone's brain. They're like, oh, if I were to vote with my heart, potentially, a lot of people would just
2: go that way. Yeah,
1: But no one, everyone's worried about voting yeah, with the, their uh, heart. The
2: irony of that is, I, I, I don't know that Elizabeth Warren's politics would have sold in those Rust Belt states that the Democrat nominee is going to have to win in order to beat Trump. That's right. a, just right. politics. I don't think Donald Trump ever would have been on a stage with Elizabeth Warren because he didn't know oh. how hard it is to go toe to toe with her. Yeah, right. he, I, and I mean that like that's yeah. like the strategy. He, talking. Said, he, he wouldn't, he have, wouldn't have done
0: her. the debates, yeah, right? He no, just because that. he would have been. It would have been ridiculous. The, my concern, one of my big concerns with Biden, is that he doesn't necessarily speak sharply in a way that could. He,
1: he doesn't could... have the chops. Yeah, he doesn't have the chops. And I, you know. I've been voting to the thing that he told me I should vote to. The thing.
2: <laughs> I grew up around <laughs> Mike Pence, and I'll tread carefully. But uh-huh. a vice presidential debate between Vice President Pence and Elizabeth Warren, yeah, also would not be a very fair fight.
1: No, but now you so may t- have no. some things to look forward to. Only no, knows how no. to speak so I'm not empty hope until I know, it happens. I know, so I'm not going down this road because, yeah, right. we don't know. We don't know uh, what's yeah, going to happen. I can't be disappointed right. twice. Okay. Guys,
0: we've already talked about this for far too long. Um, no. Because <laughs> I can't <laughs> believe I cried like a baby. Um, I do, though. I can't believe because because I'm into democracy. And I I'm know. And you invested so much of your time and passion. Um, and I will continue to invest my time and passion into whoever the Everyone's is. Everyone's <laughs> crying.
1: Everyone's crying. You know how many people are crying right now? You know how many people around Millions of people the country are crying. are crying right now? Millions
0: of people Including all the people who wanted to vote for her but were afraid. Um, okay. Mm. Let's you know what what'll change the mood hearing about our sponsors great that's gonna change the mood
1: (laughs) and then we're gonna give me some Rocky shoes or something you know what we'll
0: talk about just to just really lighten things up we'll just talk about Harvey Weinstein great okay
3: HeadGum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm -hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code HeadGum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura.
0: Today's show is sponsored by
3: Pros.
0: This is kind of, I feel like, you know, I'm on some sort of Lord of the Rings journey trying to figure out skincare. And I feel like this customized skincare line is really got my name on it. Basically, every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skin care, I tried the skin care just recently, is made to order and it's personalized. It's got a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs, like specifically you. And then the way they do it is you take this great, like in-depth quiz, basically. They analyze over 80 factors for a complete view of your life, your beauty goals. Um, like I have oily skin that's also dry, which is just a fun little conundrum. I live in New York City. Like we've got these four seasons. My my face gets weird during seasonal shifts. Um, I all of these things I got to kind of talk about. In like in answering the questions. Um, The other fun thing was they asked us at the end, like, do you like a creamy type of moisturizer or like a less creamy kind? And I was kind of like, I think like less creamy. And they were like, that's fine. Like you can do that. But we think for your skin type, creamier is better. And I never knew that. So I love that there's so much kind of personal information that goes into creating this. I got my stuff in the mail very quickly after, I got a wonderful serum. Like I said, this very creamy moisturizer. Um, and this also very just delectably creamy cleanser that just kind of feel, like I, I think it's possible that I've been washing my face with just like harsh, harshness. <laughs> for like many years because when I saw this cleanser I was like oh is this what it's supposed to feel like it's supposed to feel like a little bit of a delight on my face that's not what I've been doing so I don't know guys and here's the thing you don't have to take my word for it in a third-party double-blind dermatologist supervised controlled clinical study um, which is like the gold standard for research studies pros prove that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives which just sort of totally makes sense on a just logical level. If you think about it, just it makes common sense. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering my listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% of your first subscription order at pros.com slash fake the nation Um, will be taken off. That's pros.com slash fake the nation. You get your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Uh, Again, that's pros.com slash fake the nation. Go and get your just super personalized, luxurious skincare products and hair care products. That's what I'm going to try next. So pros.com slash fake the nation. I am the type of person that has subscribed to things, And I have forgotten about those things. I have paid twice for a children's educational app, and I didn't know that I was paying twice for several months. Until that is, I discovered Rocket Money. And because I use Rocket Money, it just showed up all these things. The thing that I was paying twice for that made me incredibly (laughs) angry. Thank God Rocket Money ended that for me. It also cancels the subscription for you. So you don't have to like go through the hassle of going to that site and figuring out how to cancel. They actually make canceling very difficult. I don't know if any of you have had the experience, but I have been on a like a roundabout eight exit nightmare trying to unsubscribe to something before. Rocket money eliminates that hassle. It also alerts you to an increase in subscription price. And this is something Rocket Money did for me. It negotiates a lower price for something you already subscribe to. So like for my cable bill, it got me a lower price. And I was very happy about that. Nearly 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about, which makes me feel better because I'm one of them. But it makes me feel terrible because what are we doing? Losing that money. Uh, I don't want to waste that money. And I know you don't want to waste that money. If you struggle with these kinds of purchases, if you struggle with finances in general, Rocket Money will help you with the budgeting, help you track your expenses, help you, like I said, cancel those unwanted subscription. It's a personal finance app that finds and cancels unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps you lower your bills so you can get back to saving. I mean, me and my husband have been on the warpath and Rocket Money has been a really big part of that. It has over 5 million users with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. The average member has saved up to $740 a year using the app's features which is i mean that tracks for me so stop wasting money on things you don't use cancel your unwanted subscriptions go to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation again that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation save the money at rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation and we are back <laughs> <laughs> it's much better. Uh, and we're ready for topic number two Okay, so Weinstein was charged with two predatory sexual assault charges, first-degree rape, third-degree rape, and a first-degree criminal sexual act. These charges were brought by two women, uh, though testimony from six women made the case against him. Um, The jury last week convicted him of third-degree rape and first-degree criminal sexual act, which were the lesser charges. Um, So I guess just uh, what were your initial reactions to this verdict?
1: I had to look up third-degree rape.
0: Yeah, it what was the, confusing. Are you, come, what? Ah.
1: Oh my goodness! I think if I were to cut off a guy's penis, no one would be like, "Was that first degree?" Yeah, 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 yeah. Or second degree, <laughs> yeah. or third degree. It was like, no, it's just the idea. Like, what? What is for? I mean, anyways. Yeah, what, third degree rape. Yeah. I still am unclear exactly what third-degree rape is.
0: And I have to be honest, I am also, even though I read, like, multiple things about this, still a little unclear. Although I think the the first-degree charges had to do with—the predatory sexual charges were the most intense charges. right? And they had to establish that he did this over and over, right, that it was a pattern. And so for that, they brought in—and this was, I guess, like, the big— kind of sticking point of the case was they brought in Annabella Shiora and her testimony just didn't ring true to the jury um perfect and that's i think yeah. what undid the predatory sexual uh this predatory sexual charges, predatory sexual assault charges.
1: So I guess I felt um, disheartened, but anything—it's it, like I was also like anything. <laughs> like yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. only thing I cannot right if he were to somehow walk away on technicalities, or we just didn't feel like we had enough. Uh, the witness testimonies were shaky, or there was some sort of a you know moment of evidence that didn't feel. And that guy just walks away. I I you know again, you would just be like, where do I even turn? Yeah. Where do I even turn at this point? Yeah. So, so you
0: were thankful that there was a, that there yeah, was. Yeah.
1: Whatever j- scraps I'm given conviction. right now, yeah. I'm I'm grateful for. Right.
2: Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, well I, in some ways, part of what's important is that the, like history will know that the Weinstein legacy went down. That's right. It yeah. won't know, you know, that it won't be noted that he wasn't found guilty on these things, right? Right, he was right, right. Guilty. And all of a sudden, the guy who couldn't stand up straight walked out of the courtroom. Uh, you know, without the ailing back, yeah. you know, that had him on a walker trying to get sympathy Tennis a few ball, days Tennis earlier. balls
1: on the walker. Yeah.
2: What's yeah. my favorite, tennis balls on the walker.
1: No. Yeah, no, you're right. And because we are consume information so simply, they won't even look at it from the point of view of what was guilty and what was shaky. It will just be gone. It will just go down history as guilty. There'll be no third and degree isn't it, tr- I, I think like, my understanding
2: is part of the watershed moment here is that. In a case that's not just high profile, but that the, where the charges are very serious, uh, the testimony of women alone ended up being what the jury decided on. Yeah. Right. And that is precedent setting in a lot of ways. Because I think for decades, women, maybe may much, much longer centuries, but in this, I mean, it's, it's in a lot of ways the crescendo of the Me Too movement because women's testimonies alone put away an extremely powerful man right who had used his power to abuse people for years and years
0: right i guess yeah i mean and that that is it that is actually a, a nice way to look at it that that women's testimony put him away and that also some women's testimony still couldn't put him away on the stronger charges i mean you know like they just couldn't believe annabella shiora's testimony it just didn't so so there is an aspect—I I think that's what's so—I think the other thing is what's interesting about this, about all of these cases is that, especially like in a Weinstein or a Cosby situation, there's mm. dozens and dozens and dozens of women who come forward. But going to trial—we went to trial with two, two women. They had enough evidence that the 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 rapes happened at, at the right—or the sexual assault happened at the right time for the statute of limitations, all of that stuff— You know, so there's so, it's a high bar to be able to go to trial, is what I'm saying, for these things. Not only because, you know, so many of that stuff, so many of those things have to be met, but also um, we only have testimony from some women, and there's not, it's not like there's video camera footage in, I'd say, all of these situations, right? right? So there's nothing to there's nothing to corroborate. It's just that uh, c- someone coming forward and saying this happened to me, and I think it's uh, still a very high bar. And do you think, Ophira, that things are getting are, are going to start getting easier? <laughs> I mean, do you do you feel your scraps that you just got? Yeah are an indicator of something. Well,
1: you know, the thing you said about that, like, you know, so dozens of women come forward. They basically go through a process of figuring out that who is the strongest case, who, you know, fits all of these things within the legal uh, paradigm to make sure that they are going to present the right thing to get this guy. And it comes down to two. I actually think, the, so the quality. So they go through everybody and they decide on their quality. But the quantity should mean something. The quantity to me should mean something.
0: I mean, don't, and don't you, I mean, the jurors, no no juror was like unaware of Weinstein. So I think, you know, they're functioning as individuals who live in the world. And so I think the quantity probably did mean
1: something to them. You'd hope.
0: Yeah. And it seemed like that the 26 hours they spent in deliberation, it sounded like it was pretty torturous because. You know, Because the quantity did mean something uh, because they had her because it did. They probably felt the fucking weight of the entire country on their shoulders. You sure know, they right. Did.
1: So, right. That's the thing. It should everyone have a fair trial. Of course. Was this person given a fair trial? Yes. Was it reviewed just so much more meticulously because they were someone in a very power and prestigious a position yeah and that to me still seems like that's where i'm like well if every case was dealt with like this one yeah then i i would start to feel like okay we're we're getting somewhere but you need one i guess Ah. do you feel like for the women
0: now this is like another question about like where are we now as a society for the women who came forward do you feel like their names were dragged through the mud by having to share their testimony in such a public way. I did not. Okay.
1: That's good. I did not. I felt like this one, from a societal point of view, everyone was like, yeah.
0: Okay. You don't feel like they're going to go forward in life
1: and be identified
0: with this thing. Monica Lewinsky. Right, right. right. Exactly. I,
1: I personally feel like that. It's so different. So I feel like this guy was, he was um put forth as a demon. Yeah. And I felt like society for the most part was like pretty much. Yeah. I mean, immediately so many of his uh advocates and friends and business people pulled out pulled out.
0: Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So
1: that was just an indication that people were like, yeah, oh, I'm gonna, this is my first chance to wash my hands of it.
0: The thing that I th- that I was a little concerned about because in some of these cases these women had that you know, um experienced the sexual assault and then Continue to have a relationship with him and then some people like didn't understand that and um and also some people were like at the time i didn't say that i was raped you know i i I now look back on it and recognize that that was rape some people didn't understand that that you could look experience something not think it's rape and then late in you know your later years be like no that was definitely rape um those things i think we can still work out a little bit as a society (laughs) (laughs) I mean, because, you know, when something happens to you and you're young or whatever, you're like, no, 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 it wasn't rape. I mean, uh, I did go back to his hotel room and uh," you know what I mean? You you make all these excuses because your brain does it just sort of naturally because you don't want to you don't want to have to keep experiencing the trauma. So your brain sort of like categorizes it as a thing and suppresses the memory. (laughs)
1: And it it really depends how Mm. you were socialized just in terms of, I mean, yeah, I mean, we are still just entering a world right now where women are being raised with a very different ideology of how. What's acceptable? Yeah. What's acceptable? Any of those interactions. You think it's commonplace? It is totally not. Yeah. It is totally not. Not having the words, not having the way to process yeah. it. Yes. Uh, all of that. Um,
0: Weston, I have a question for you about how the right views the movement, the Me Too movement. How do they view the Me Too movement? <laughs> is the question.
1: I've have, I have some disheartening can you, can you feelings. Please, can you
0: please on? like just represent the entirety the of whole the right? I right. know, <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. What a well, and I come at it lo- sort of with a loaded perspective from the right because, as I mentioned, my I've got one sibling, kind of best friend, younger sister, is a criminal prosecutor. Uh, prosecute prosecuted a high profile rape case a couple months ago. Uh, she has. Concerns that the MeToo movement emotionalizes mm. uh, is that a word? Yeah. Sounds I like, like a good I word. like it. It. A process uh, that is not perfect, but that does serve uh, pretty well. Yeah, like it's you know we're served pretty well, all things considered, by the criminal justice system in our country. Uh, if you, and I think people who've ever been wrongly accused and 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 set free feel that way. Not a perfect system, but it has served us pretty well. And um, You know, I I don't know. It's a tough one. It's, It's like hard for the guy to speak to because I do believe like these are situations where it's particularly powerful men have for millennia exercised their power to take advantage of women and it you know Harvey Weinstein is this real famous easy boogeyman and it's so easy for us to imagine we've seen movies where things like this have happened but then what does that look like at a 12 person insurance company where like the right. guy who signs the paychecks is uh is still uh taking advantage of people but it's so so much lower profile yeah. and his power is pretty lame but it's still real power cuz he signs yep, paychecks absolutely I, so i think the like I, I don't think the right has any hesitancy to believe women. I mean, women on the right have been taken advantage of, right? I mean, I think if there's any unfairness in feminism from, like, my, like, very unqualified outsider perspective... Can't wait. It would be that... (laughs) It would be that conservative women... Yeah. And my my sister is not, like, some hardcore right-winger, but she's, like, probably politically conservative, but a hardcore, hard-ass, you know, prosecutor. But I would say, like, the Cody Womps and the Nikki Haley's don't get the respect they deserve from the feminist causes because Mm. they, but but I think it's more that they're misunderstood Mm. Mm -hmm. or there's some angst because there's not agreement on, on a handful of issues. right? Um, And and so it makes it, I get, I, I think it makes some conservative women feel like not, Totally empowered to talk about these issues. Sure. Even though, like, one thing that's real is that conservative women have almost certainly, just by virtue of statistics, dealt with the same types of pain and abuse that liberal women have. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: like, I can imagine the Nikki Haley's um, and the Cody Womps and the Megan Kelly's and Gretchen Carlson's being happy about this. You know, verdict. Uh, yeah.
2: Now, if that's the question, hell yeah. yeah. Right. Right.
0: Or, or um, being happy about uh, a social correction um, of you know women's treatment in the workplace. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, it, but it is, I, you know, it is, it, it is something like when I look at Nikki Haley, I'm like, well, there are things about you that I don't understand, you know, and that we disagree with, you know, um, like on choice and all that stuff. And I mean, and that's such a but p- choice is probably the biggest rift right, right there. That's the rift. You know, there might be some things about, I don't know, uh, child care um, uh, universal childcare or whatever, maternity leave, or I don't know that where where I could be like, well, I can understand your fiscally conservative approach on those things or whatever. Yeah. I disagree, but I, you know, but it's the it's the choice piece that I think give is well, the biggest Well, because then it's the for for
1: control us. of the female body. Right. So if it's just sort of like, well, this part of the female body should be in my control, but I'm willing to have a bunch of white men decide this part.
0: <laughs> right. Right.
1: Right. Right. It's sort of like.
0: OK, well, uh, I, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's but I do I me. I always look at like, you know, I, I you know, I, I do I feel for women for for feminist conservatives, you know, I mean, I don't know that they would ever call themselves feminists, but like, you know, for people who believe that women should be <laughs> equal conservatives, um, you know, and think like how can we be in the same movement? I, yeah. I, and that and that it would be yeah. good for us to be in the same it movement.
2: It would be good. Yeah, yeah. I just think of them as alpha women. And, and, I, and again, I just, like, I see this through my wife. I see it through my daughter, who I show great favoritism to because she's going to be a woman who runs the world. But her aunt, my sister, who I've talked about, I watched her in the South in criminal law where there are no women. Mm-hmm. And there imagine. are particularly not young women. She started by started as a public defender, thrown right into the fire, uh, like a lot of gang activity in our hometown. So in her first couple years out of law school, she defended a couple hundred uh, violent gang members. <clears throat> and she earned respect. She just went in there and like wore out the old white boys. And they were pretty quick. We're like, well, we got to take this. We got to take this chick real seriously yeah. because she kicks our ass. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and she's kind of a contrarian thinker. And so she never wanted any. Like she she didn't want to be seen as complaining. she didn't want any advantages. Now, part of that's because she knew she was structurally well, women just have to do she that, was structurally though. in a system. business yeah. is not this fair. She was structurally in a system where ultimately she got to prove her worth in front of juries, mm. right and so what she, what like the old boys had to deal with and so i recognize like coming from a business background that what she's been able to do in law might be more it's not like there aren't the same yeah. d- drawn lines but what she was able to demonstrate in her mid 20s and into her 30s is i can convince a jury better than the old white dudes mm. better than the middle-aged white women better than anybody and therefore you're going to respect me and you know and so she's like one of the most lauded criminal prosecutors in the south but it you know she kind of took this hard headed approach like i don't want to be seen as an outlier i don't want to be seen as unusual i just want to be seen as a good attorney and in that industry like you go perform and nobody can deny you cuz juries leave you
1: well I think I actually think that is uh, I, I and what I realize you have like one minute to tell the story of your sister's rise to success so it's obviously going to be summarized but I think a lot of women in a variety of of professions where they are up against the same sort of situations come into it and they're like I'm not going to be perceived this way I'm going to be I mean that's what we yeah. are we're doing that as stupid stand up comics comedians. <laughs> just being like I'm not going to be perceived this way and I'm going to blah 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 and it, and it is still Still... Not that easy. And it's still, <laughs> yeah, 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 you're yeah. dealing with stuff, like, you're not winning them all over. And it isn't Ms. Maisel. And, it, you know, like, it's just so much more complicated than that. And you do well, but it is incremental compared right. to how everybody else right. is doing. Right, like,
0: yeah, 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 exactly. Like, another another woman would have, uh, another, a, a, a person who may have been in your sister's situation, a man who may have been in your sister's situation would have already been, you know, who knows. I don't right. know what the equivalent is.
1: I'm not of, saying like, that she's not bad. Like, yeah. yeah yeah, back yeah. to back, but I'm just saying that, like, I do, I think what what you're talking there is like an amazing situation, and I think it is all of us all the time right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Um, all right, you guys, I'm uh, curious to hear what you thought of the Harvey Weinstein verdict. Um, <laughs> and you know, uh, reach me on the social medias
1: that we all hate. Um, has has anyone? I mean, I guess I didn't notice this on Twitter or whatever. Has anyone been like, "Wow, they should have let that guy walk"? I mean, other than him and his team.
0: <laughs> uh, no, not that I've
2: okay, seen.
1: Yeah. Not that I've Just double check. It's I a mean, good
2: point, though. Like, you can even go back, talk, that's true, find that's me another high profile case where there aren't some gadflies gone. Like, right. there were some people who like were convinced OJ wasn't guilty. <laughs> Right, oh, of some yeah, yeah, people, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 but there yeah. were oh, no yeah, there people. There were tons of people. Yeah, there were no people. No, in this
0: no, case. no, no, no. The the only thing was, the, this verdict. Oh, this is great. He's gonna go to prison, and and then versus this should have been more. Like he should have been convicted on been all been, of the charges. Exactly, exactly. That was so. That was the range of reactions. It's like it's bullshit. He wasn't charged on more. Convicted on more things. Um. Okay. Well, let us move on to topic number three. The census is so important, yet the Trump administration has willfully underfunded it. There's been subpar field testing. And, for example, Texas didn't allocate any state money for census outreach efforts and educational campaigns. So nonprofits had to pick up the slack. And they obviously don't have the same resources as the government. Um, So I guess my my first question is, like, has the census become politicized? And, um, you know, are we ready for it? It's around the corner.
1: I think Nordstrom Rack knows more about me than the government. <laughs> like, I just, uh, I'm wondering if the model is just antiquated. Are you antiquated. a, a, a Nordy member? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Nordy member. But I just, you know, there. it's this idea of like, well, how do we reach people? And how do we get people to be honest? Obviously, there's the whole question of like, what is on the census? Has the census, has the, have the questions changed? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, and who who is going to use this information for what... Great power or great evil. Yeah. Like it's yeah. all like, oh, it's so small. We can like help small business people get funding. Really? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> um, right. Well, I don't think so.
0: I, so, I mean, Weston, what is, what, where does, where, again, where does the entire right stand on? <laughs> I
1: think, I'm, so yeah, right. I'm so happy you're here. I'm so happy. the whole right
2: is like the whole the, country. And yeah. I'd say the understanding of the census is about this limited. Uh, we count people, right? I mean, I, so it's a constitutional there, mandate, there are, by the there way. There are people, no doubt, in Washington who weaponize this and they understand all the implications of the census. But come on, like, think about regular people across the country when you when they hear the census, yeah. And, and this is not condescending. Like, I, I, in a lot of ways, I'm I'm this way. I mean, unless you study and 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 because of some of the criticisms of the Trump administration, you know, I've taken a look at you know why it matters that you do things this way or that way. But otherwise. You just think of the census being like when you count people, if anything, it's pretty fascinating to me that here we are in 2020 and the government's begging people to like raise their hand. The libertarian in me is kind of impressed that we still got the freedom that we've got. The government has to like ask us to raise our hand if you think about it. Right. I mean, other countries like in China, they don't need citizens to raise their hand and be honest about sort of where they are. They know exactly where they are and they're tracked by censors on the street. Uh, how it's so? How weird is it that we? they tracked by
1: sensors on. Okay, anyway, so yeah, okay.
2: facial recognition, sure. Uh, but the, it, you know, China's it's crazy. Very different than <laughs> than our. Like, I, I just realized. You know, AOC got she she's, she got chided because she told people this is a funny thing for a non parent to say, but she told people don't forget about the youngest person in your household when you fell out the census. <laughs> Which is sort of, to me, it's like... As the youngest
1: of six, I know exactly (laughs) what that
2: is about. (laughs) It's so funny. Like, I have three little ones, and so that's, like, it's hard for me to imagine forgetting the little one-and-a-half-year-old. But it's kind of wild also to think that if I wanted to, I could just keep him off the grid. Sure, isn't that strange? <laughs> Enticing, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Well, what do you? I mean, okay. So, like, what do you say to people? Let so uh, there are some numbers here. Um, give me one moment while I find them. In a, in a recent poll, three quarters of Latinos worried that the Trump administration was going to use the census against them. Um, right, with the immigration you, question. Yeah, I mean, what do what do we what do we For think citizen about that? Citizenship question. Yeah. Well, so the citizenship question was was voted uh, was they're not allowed to ask the citizenship question. Right. So that's not going to appear on the census and there's a l- but here's the problem. There's so much confusion about that. So some people are like whatever this pa- paper is it's fucking toxic and I'm I'm burning it yes. because
2: we need Latinos to fill it out.
0: Tell us why we need Latinos to why fill
1: it out. Why do we need
2: well, anyone? Because well, first of all there's a whole you know and and government funding coming down to a state and local level a lot of times is determined by Demographics. Well, we know demographics based on the census. And so we need to know where pockets of people are and we need to know where the communities that have a lack of this or a surplus of that are. And that's how people get the government programs and government services that they need. Uh, But to your point, because Trump made the threat, uh, it does, I think, throw into some question for Latino communities. Are we in a safe place to fill this thing out? And that's concerning. But like at this point, you know, like the best thing we can do is like reassure Latinos that this is a constitutional process. Yeah. Whether you're here legally or not, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to have to, you're not going to be asked that question. So please fill it out regardless. And it ultimately will serve you well to do that because our government functions best if the government knows where, what types of people live.
1: So as someone who is not a citizen, I would immediately be like, oh, so they said they were going to put this question on, but then they said, I'm just doing all these because I'm talking about like just the easiest way to talk about this in my head, but then they said they're not going to do it. Oh, yeah. Well, what else did they put in there? How is this going to, like, I would immediately be suspicious. And were be- you,
0: were you, you were here in 2010. Yeah. Were you weirded out by the census in 2010 as a non citizen?
1: Uh, I think I was, I think I was totally, I thought it was benign. I, okay. I was not worried. Right, it Right, right, right. You're not,
0: no. you, you didn't think about it one way or the other. I did not think about and it. And so, and now, I mean, obviously you have a, you have a status now, so like you're fine, but like. What... Am I? <laughs> does it give you pause at all? It or...
1: gives me, it, it absolutely does give me pause. Yeah. And I honestly believe that there are. Uh, Without this idea, which I have to, you know, this idea that we're all being followed or tracked on a GPS model or cameras, and that's how people are getting our information. I do think it is. There's a better way to get this information in a more accurate way that is not infringing upon people's privacy, or or feeling like that. Yeah. Uh, And I think this idea of this volunteer base. First of all, any survey online is ridiculous. We get a. I get a survey after I like. I don't know. Like I- innocuous things all the time. You yeah. get surveys yeah, yeah, online yeah, yeah, all the all time. The time. It, we're just done with them. Like you, I feel like everyone is just like, oh, the most annoying thing ever. Yeah.
0: I also, I think the online portion of this thing really freaks people out. So for the first time, we we can actually fill out our census thing online, and I do think that freaks people out because it is kind of like, oh, tracking me now. They yeah. know, and now they can follow, and I don't know, cookies yeah, and but algorithms. Come on, like
2: it, all we got to do is talk about, you know, like. Uh, well, you know, talk about a Banana Republic shirt, and we're going to get ads on our phones. Right. When Absolutely. we walk true, out of here. True. True. Yeah. So we live no... in such a tracked world that does make the whole and we process self-track feel antiquated. We
1: self-track constantly. I mean, I uh, just by as like a joke, the, by but, like
0: by like saying, oh, I'm here, I'm oh, there online. Yeah. I yeah, mean,
1: yeah. you could probably hire you know some uh, some college kids that need a little extra work to scour Facebook, and you have fifty percent of the country's face uh, census done. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, right. And I I, I do want to say that what's been really scary is how effective, again, like the Steve Bannon chaos theory of (laughs) governance has worked in this case. If they want an undercount of Latinos, which we had, uh, it's estimated that about 400,000 U.S. Latino children were not counted in 2010. These are large numbers. It really affects the distribution of services. You know, it really matters. Um, I think the chaos theory suggests that, If we just say we're going to put the citizenship question on there, knowing that the legal battle will not get us anywhere, it's not going to end up on there. It just puts fear into people, and it'll ensure another undercount. So this is what we have to work against. This is what we're working like in a
2: real tangible way. You know, no matter which side we sit on, how we ought to reform healthcare. Healthcare in America is all sorts of screwed up. Yes. And you see that pain point most through a safety net hospital, right? Safety net hospital that has a, uh, you know, a a charter to treat everybody. Mm -hmm. Well, the federal funding that flows to those safety net hospitals is determined by a census. census. And so to your point, like if you go to Erlanger Hospital in my hometown, big safety net hospital, large Latino community, but not as large a Latino community as the government thinks.
0: Yeah, so they're getting underfunded.
2: Yeah, or a larger you know, in, in, but that's the reason that you have right. to you have to mm-hmm. see it right because all of a sudden the safety net hospital that's got a emergency room that's overflowing. If you've got the right number, they might have the funds to expand the and it, ER. Which,
0: by the way. In the midst of the coronavirus, oh. this is exactly when we want the numbers for that hospital to be accurate, you know. So we can get the right amount of tests. And the, and they have the right amount of what are those breathing machines called or whatever. All of that stuff, you know, is really dependent on this. And I just want to thank um, the listener uh, who brought this to my attention. They're in Mendocino County and they are getting, they're getting involved in on the ground and helping get spread awareness about the census in Mendocino County. Um, and she actually sent me the website for what they're at, mendocinocounts.org. Huh. Um, I wanted to suggest, especially for Spanish speakers, this is really, really important. If you have time to volunteer to get the word out about the census, census it's coming in our mailboxes in March. So I thought we had weeks left. No, we don't. It's happening right now. What if is you happening? Speak- <laughs> If you speak Spanish, um, please consider – and if you don't, even in whatever language you speak, um, please consider volunteering uh, to get the word out about the census. And I I tried to find something that was like maybe a national thing, but I think it's actually more effective for you to to Google your local options for how to get involved because it seems very uh, dispersed like all of the the things that you could do. Um, But yes, and especially in a state like Texas, which like I've said – they allocated exactly no funds to get the word out about the census, and that's really scary. Um, mm. So yeah. So listeners, so thanks again to the listener who brought this to my attention. And um, yes, and I'm I'm so glad there are people out there like you that are working on this.
1: Um, By the way, Chattanooga is where I send my behavioral health claims. Anyways, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Is that' your insurance company I guess is? so. I guess so. Um, that's hilarious.
0: Um, you guys. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna end this sh- show that was, and then we the fourth topic is a, a bonus thing. Um, okay. Uh, so so when we get to the fourth topic, don't reference back to things we talked about here because I right. won't know. And, and then um, I so just work and go with me. I'll reintroduce you. But we're gonna end this one right now. All right, you guys. Um. That's the end of the show.
1: How do you feel? A lot happened.
2: I feel like a I lot happened. I feel like I am a little more qualified just by having sat with you ladies uh, for an hour and a half. I'm not funnier, but I will feel like I'm funnier.
0: Um by the way, Weston, I want you to know that I don't cry at every episode. Fair. Um the- <laughs> this is a this very is a rare special one. This is a very rare occurrence. But
2: hey, my whole life has been in politics. I it's endearing to me, and I mean that, to mm-hmm. see somebody cry because uh, a candidate who is beloved mm-hmm. does something good or does something sad or is yeah. forced to leave a race. Like yeah. that's my ethos. So,
0: you know what I feel don't that feel from bad. you. And I want to say because Ofira knows this we don't generally have Republicans on the show because we can't find ones that are fun and friendly and want to have a nice chat. And into it. Yeah. And into it. And I really, really fucking appreciate your attitude and where you come from. And I feel, I just feel closer to all Americans literally by just having spoken to you. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's true, guys. I don't care. That's how I feel. I feel a
1: tiny bit better about Biden.
0: I t- got a really optimistic outlook about (laughs) it (laughs) quickly
2: you should know and we're wrapping yeah but you should know that i like have a glimmer of hope that the people i talk to in middle america over there and fly over country where i live there are a lot of people who are republicans who can stomach Joe Biden is their next president. Just know that's a very real thing in places like Wisconsin and Michigan and
0: Pennsylvania. And
2: I don't know if it is, but if you're really motivated by having a new president, I just suggest that there's a lot of my friends who consider themselves Republicans who, like me, are not raising their kids to act like Donald Trump, who are saying, I could— I could deal with I could Joe Biden that. as president. All right.
0: You know what? That's a beautiful final that thought. That is. I would like for the people of Fake the Nation to know where to find you and what you're up to. Uh, Weston, how do they do that?
2: I'm on Twitter. I'm not very good at it. At, but I think I'm brilliant at it. Like I predicted Joe Biden would go on this run like a week ago and six people liked it. And I retweeted it and said, I'm going to prove all you guys wrong. Uh, At Weston Womp. And then I've done this podcast. It's not nearly as popular, certainly not funny. But it does (laughs) seem it it has like some real uh, loyal followers Mm. who think it's awesome. It's called Swamp Stories. And I basically give my contrarian insiders look uh, at how broken our political system is, how the swamp became the swamp. Mm. And this is hard for a lot of liberals to swallow. But part of the thesis is that Republicans and Democrats are equally responsible for the place becoming what it is today. And I go, out and interview Republicans and Democrats and we there's three or four moments kind of red light moments on the podcast where we for the first time tell a pretty significant story that's nowhere else on the internet and if you do that in 2020 you feel like you've done something so it's called Swamp Stories it's on whatever you know 30 platforms like this podcast is and, uh, and I it's encourage great. you to I, listen I
0: listened to an episode yesterday and I really enjoyed well, it's it it's very
2: tightly packaged so it's not it's all pretty heady kind of in the, some of it's in the weeds but enjoyable we try to make it entertaining and all the episodes are 20 to 25 minutes, so it's bite-sized stuff.
0: And you learn a lot, and I got to hear that f- th- those fantastic clips of Mitch McConnell.
1: I... Ophira.
2: I agree, everyone's equally guilty.
1: Um, hi. hi. I, I host a uh, a show, a radio show a podcast on NPR called Ask Me Another. We have a live taping coming up on March 16th, barring um, I guess being told that we're not allowed to leave our houses (laughs) Uh, and our special guests on that are going to be the television critic for The New Yorker Emily Nussbaum and actor Debra Messing so that'll be fun come
0: over to that I love Debra Messing I know I do too I heart her so much yeah and then
1: also if I may I'm I'm taping a new I'm recording a new album new comedy album it's gonna be at New York Comedy Club on April 5th so if you're around New York area or want to travel there you guys, you. I'll
0: be there at New York Comedy Club on April 5th in the audience. So Aww. let's all go see Ophira. Let's um, do it. You guys, uh, please uh, follow me on all the things. You know, or don't, because we both know that I don't love them, but I do them. Um, you can see me at the On Air Podcast Festival on Friday, actually. I'm going to be in conversation with Brian Lair and Emily um, Basilon, and that's gonna be really exciting. Um, I'm gonna be uh, doing wait, wait, don't tell me another NPR show on March 19th, and um, you can see me oh at the Ven- at the Greenwich Village uh, Comedy Club a couple of times next week uh, for for those of you who might be traveling to New York with your face masks on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, things in New York are sort of like business as usual still, so I don't know. Definitely. Um, Alright you guys um, I What I would really like to do though Is thank the people on our production team That make Fake the Nation possible That's our producer Anita Flores Our talented audio engineer Andy Christens Gabby Alter wrote our theme music And Lily Fleshler helps with research And you guys would love to hear from you Send us your feedback Topics we should be chatting about Guests we should have on the show um, You can leave us a voicemail at 347-770-4981 Or drop us a line at comments at fakethenation.com If you like what you hear Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts It helps people find the show You guys will
3: be back next week Goodbye we